You're listening to The Deadly Dose, hosted by Harini Bott and Megan Gesner. Hello, Poison Pals. Welcome back to another episode. And it is Megan's turn to talk to us about something we don't know yet. That's part of the surprise. That's part of the intrigue. I will say I this week, I usually am surprised along with you guys. But this time I do know what she's going to talk about Mm -hmm. because I made an oopsie (laughs) two days in a row. (laughs) And we thought Megan's mic was not working on the verge of her buying a new mic when I just realized I did not have my outputs and inputs correctly placed. So, you know, shit happens. So here we go. Good thing is Megan can return her shit, save some money, and we still get our beautiful story in crisp, crisp audio. All right. All right. So back in August, I got stung by a stingray off of La Jolla Shores here in San Diego. I know. I wish we had um, sound effects. Some like a sound editor or something, because yeah. then I could like make ocean waves. Oh, Megan, that person is you. <laughs> I know it is. I me. used to, I used to just download clips on YouTube and like add it in later. Anyways, continue. Yeah. So back in August, I got stung, and this event made me realize we have been overlooking stingrays this whole time. And they were right under our noses, like literally in our backyard. And if you spend enough time in San Diego or live here long enough, and I would say long enough means a year, because like, obviously in San Diego, you're going to go to the Mm -hmm. beach. And one of the first things you learn when you go to certain beaches in San Diego is you have to do the stingray shuffle. Harini, growing up. Did you know about this? Oh, my God. I'm going to do myself such a dirty disservice right now because I was going to say okay. I didn't even know we had stingrays in San Diego waters. I I know this shuffle for jellyfish. I have been taught it for jellyfish and not so much stingrays because I've never, ever seen a stingray in San Diego waters. Okay. <laughs> I am very intrigued by the jellyfish really? thing because I have swam in areas in Southeast mm-hmm. Asia where there are teeny tiny little jellies, not enough to obviously make you sick or harm you, but you can feel their stings. And I got to say, I don't know if it makes sense to (laughs) shuffle for jellyfish. Maybe. Because the jellies... (laughs) Because jellies that do hit the Pacific Mm. coast tend to be... Dead. Manowars. They're like the blue Mm -hmm. top ones. That's what I think. I think of manowars. They'll end up washing up on the shore. And I'm like, jellies don't move like a stingray. <laughs> like, like if you were to shuffle, a jelly's not going to swim away fast. Yeah. In fact, you will just shuffle yeah, into yeah. it. So I'm not trying to discredit no, or question. Do. I'm just like, tell me more <laughs> about this I, I have no idea. I, like, I guess I should say, I don't know if the shuffle is related mm-hmm. to the jellyfish. I just know that I have been taught that there are jellyfish and to watch out for them uh, in San Diego waters. Okay. I lo- like I knew there's sharks. I knew there's like leopard sharks or like other yeah. things like that. There's like yeah. plenty of things in the San Diego waters, but I didn't realize that we had stingrays. Like 
I'll be honest, like I thought that was more like an Australia, <laughs> like an Australia thing. Okay, I don't know if that was okay. like a Steve yeah. Irwin situation, but I was like, right, oh, right. we don't have stingrays. But yeah, Interesting. my question for you is, have you seen stingrays before this incident? Yes. I know for a fact that I had accidentally stepped on a stingray oh. before I ever was stung because you you just know the moment you step on one you know exactly what it feels like in terms of the texture of their their skin and oh. their back but yes I've I've seen them in the surf mm-hmm. like if it's because the thing about La Jolla yeah. shores because that's probably the most famous area where people meaning surfers tourists yeah will get stung because the water at La Jolla Shores does tend to be a little bit more clear than other beaches. So Black's Beach and La Jolla Shores, I've definitely seen them because it's a little bit more clear. Mm-hmm. And stingrays, they do tend to linger in the sand, right? They're, they're yeah. shallow water creatures or a lot of... Uh, a lot of the different species mm-hmm. of them tend to like to like wait in the mm-hmm. sand because how they eat, their mouths are on the bottom of their bodies. Yeah. So they're like little bottom dwellers mm-hmm. and they like crush the shells in their their soft Aww. teeth not soft teeth but like grind shells in their yeah. teeth and grind like crustaceans in their <laughs> teeth so um yeah i've seen them I've i seen wonder them. Yeah. i wonder the prevalence <laughs> depending on the o- not the ocean but the beach because i almost never swim out in la jolla shores or like black's beach or anything like i'm a del mar girl just maybe because like that's where i live closer because I would grow up swimming yeah. there all the time, and I never shuffle. Mm-hmm. I probably should have. I yeah. I never did shuffle. <laughs> See, no one tells me anything. Yeah. Like when you're talking about like last episode, like the digoxin, like your parents would point out to yeah, that. Yeah. I didn't get any of that yeah. kind of wilderness medicine course <laughs> from my parents. They're just like, go out and play. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, and <laughs> that's my life. That is so interesting. We have lived we different have lived lives different. in terms of learning about our natural yeah. habitats. Yeah, yeah. 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 I learned about stingrays pretty immediately once I moved here for college. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if we've said this on our podcast yet, but our dorm at UC San Diego was is probably the closest dorms mm-hmm. to the yeah. beach, to the water. So um, UCSD is in La Jolla. It is close to La Jolla Shores and Black's Beach. But the the thing is, you do have to trek down. Like, it's on a mm-hmm. cliff. But our part of the campus was the closest to the cliff area. And so we would just scramble down trails, surfer trails, to get to the beach. And maybe it's because of who I was hanging out with, too. I know some some dudes on my fencing team were surfers. Mm. And so I think I learned through okay. them that stingrays were out there and make sure to shuffle and all yeah. that. Yeah. Fun fact, you guys. <laughs> Megan and I and another friend of ours, like r- like early freshman year, we all like yeah. hiked down to Black's Beach at like two wait, like really late, right? Was it like that late? Okay. It was midnight. Like midnight yeah. It was late. It yeah. was definitely like pitch black. Let's just put it that way. And yeah. we all hiked down. I hiked down in big big ass boots. <laughs> Yeah, and just Billy goaded my way all the way down, and it was just a good time. Yep. I, I would like to imagine it was full moon; it probably wasn't, but we definitely just like frolicked in the water and played. It was yeah. nice. It, I don't recall it being full moon. And also, fun fact too: this memory is a core memory for me, and I actually used it in my yes. wedding speech at Harini and Dave's yeah. wedding. <laughs> I talked about this moment. And I talked about it mostly because I just remember Harini's tenacity, like it, the boots, the boots are critical. So, so mind you, she's wearing these really cute, really chic 
Oxford heels. Mm -hmm. So like think Oxford style with the laces, but the boots are at least two and a half inches tall. And I, the, the background of this trek down to the beach is I had actually gone the night prior Mm. solo. I soloed adventure to scout out, you know, what's around us. Yeah. I was like, what's around us. And what I discovered because, you know, I'm a freshman and I'm thinking everything I discover is new and which it is. Obviously, this trail, a bunch of people who live there already mm. know it exists. But for me, I was like, oh, my God, this is yeah, so totally. cool. So the next night I find Harini and our other mutual friend. And I'm like, guys, let's go on an adventure. There's this bomb ass trail like takes us down to the beach. And it's an adventure. It's literally yeah. an adventure because um, it's also like a canyon mm-hmm. trail. If for those of you who are familiar with San Diego and UCSD area, it's a Ho Chi Minh Trail. Ho Chi Minh Trail. And I remember Harini is still wearing her day clothes. <laughs> she's a sophisticated London looking gal. You know, she's wearing um I was like fu- I was wearing full clothes, like not hiking yeah. clothes, that's for sure. Yeah. She was wearing like cute day yeah. clothes. Jeans or maybe even your black leather mm-hmm. pants. Those were popular mm-hmm. for you for a while. And these Oxford heels. And I remember saying, I'm like, it is going to be a scramble. Like, it's dusty. It's a trail. Um, let me know if you want to change your shoes. And she was like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I got this. Like, it's going to be fine. And we get there. It's night. You can't see where your footing's going. And this is before iPhones. Like, before, like, we had flashlights on our phone. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a brick phone, guys. Like, I don't know. I actually don't understand how we <laughs> saw because it was dark. Right. Like a flip phone we had a or flip something. Phone. Yeah, I did. At yeah. Least. Did we put our lights on at one? We one of us had a we light okay. on the phone because I remember there being a light. But uh, there, as we start to enter the trail, and it becomes very clear that it's literally a dusty, sandy cliff trail into a canyon. <laughs> where if you fall into the canyon, it's oh, a yeah. drop. Like it's at least twelve mm-hmm. feet. Um, there perhaps was a moment where I could see on Harini's face where she's like, "All right." <laughs> This is this is it. Like, you know, that decisive moment. Do I continue? And she's like, all right, full full speed ahead. And when I say Billy goaded, when she says Billy goaded, she really was a goat on those little heels. She was jumping from sandy surface to sandy surface and just scrambled her way down all the way down this cliff. And this is what I omitted from the wedding speech. But what made that night for me is she got through that whole trail in these heels there's even a rope portion, mm-hmm. mind you. There's a rope portion where you have to take a rope and like <laughs> scramble down the last part of the cliff. Once she hit the beach, she walked straight to the water and threw open her blouse, just like <laughs> chest bared, <laughs> like unbuttoned her blouse and threw it open to the wind. Um, and that's what I remember the most. And I wanted to say that in my <laughs> wedding speech for you. But I was like, oh, no, there's no, family no, no. here. But that's what I remember. And I remember you being like, let's skinny dip. And we didn't we didn't actually do that. But you're just like, I did. It. I know. The liberation, <laughs> the freedom. Yeah. Oh, that was such a fun right. night. It was seriously so fun. I was so yeah. excited to do it, too. Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't recall myself being scared. I was more like, I think I, it was like that young when you're young, you just feel invincible. Like, I was just like, let's go. Yeah. I'm going to fly from mountain yeah, to yeah. mountain. I'm just going to flippity flop all over the place down the mountain. Yeah, you did. You did wonderfully. And (laughs) I have not visited that trail in years Mm. now, but from what I've heard, there's so much erosion that's been happening. And part of me is like, I think as I've grown older, I'm a much more anxious and cautious person about like potentials of falling and breaking something Mm. or whatever. 
So I know that if I were to do that trail now, I wouldn't do it as confidently, probably, because mm-hmm. like I would just be afraid of slipping and falling. Dude, yeah. we should just do it at anyway. night. I'm just disregarding everything you said. I know. We should just do it again <laughs> at night. I'll find some heels. I love. I miss those Oxford heels, and we'll just do it again. And we'll have our we'll flashlights again. on. I can't believe we did that. Yeah. Good times. Anyways, back to stingers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, I knew about stingrays pretty early coming down to San Diego. I want to talk about the uh, the zoology or like the lineage of stingrays, the family Mm, order, species, all that. Genus, (laughs) kingdom, exactly. It's like I think it's like KPSGS. I remember there was like an acronym. I remember saying, yeah, something like King George. Or it heard something. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now I'm like, I have space down. I'm trying to remember. Kingdom Phylus genus. Wait, Kingdom Phylus. Kingdom Phylum class order family genus species. Nice. Yeah. 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 It's like PEMDAS exactly. except for animals. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay. So stingrays are part of the order known as. Myliobatiformis. Mm. I am going to use a lot of these scientific names, um, but I'll try to make it as palatable (laughs) as possible. So anyway, stingrays, specifically stingrays, Mm. are part of the order Myliobatiformis, which is under the super order. So we're moving up the tree. They're under the super order Batoidia, Batoidia, mm. also known as Batoids, B-A-T-O-I-D-S. Okay. And Batoids comprises all cartilaginous fishes known as rays. Oh. So all rays in the ocean are, are considered Batoids. And I love that word Batoid, and I keep saying it, because it, they truly are underwater yes. bats. Like, that's why they're called Batoids. So cool. Because the naming, they, they look like bats when they mm-hmm. flap underwater. Makes sense. So they're Batoids. <laughs> Batoids, the the superorder Batoids, make up the subclass Elisbobronchi, with which is the subclass that also includes their close relative, the shark. Okay. So sharks and rays are part of Elisbobronchi, and then you know it goes higher up the ladder in more general mm-hmm. classifications. But that I just wanted to add yeah, that, like, cool. know that rays and sharks are in the same family tree at some point because they are both cartilaginous fishes is there anything more than like stingrays and manta rays are there more rays yes there are and i will get to that yes i'm gonna i'm gonna break down break it all down for y'all break it down and fun fact manta rays are actually part of the stingray order so i'll break that i'll i'll explain that okay batoids so all rays all rays have an ancient lineage that date as far back as Ordovician, which is Ordovician is a geologic period that happened during the Paleozoic era. So this this took place roughly 488 to 443 million years ago. I recognize that's a huge yeah. gap in terms of like 488 to 443 million years. That's a huge chunk, but that's estimated how old rays are or their lineage goes so back. Cool. They're ancient wow. creatures. Yeah. So they are ancient. They come from an ancient, ancient family. Okay. Is that the time of dinosaurs? Sorry. Uh, Paleozoic era. I always forget. Shoot. I'm, I am not a dinophile. No. I do not know a lot about dinosaurs. You are welcome yeah, to research Paleozoic era and see you what else is around. Okay. All right. 
The oldest confirmed ray is known as Antiquobatis. Mm. Literally like antique and bat put together. (laughs) Antiquobatis. Yeah. Which is an extinct genus of ray from the early Jurassic epoch. And the reason that they know this is because they discovered a tooth, a a tooth fossil in Germany, of all places, that showed this tooth is exactly the same structure as like contemporary rays in this to this day so So, yeah so we know that rays existed Mm -hmm. all the way back to the early jurassic epic okay and you which i didn't get the timeline for that but whatever you said that (laughs) um stingrays date back all the way to the paleozoic era right paleozoic era okay Okay, so the Paleozoic era is a large chunk of yeah. time. If you want to get very specific, yeah, yeah. they come from the Ordovician, that's O-R-D-O-V-I-C-I-A-N, which is a period within the Paleozoic era. I see. Okay. Because I was just going to say, yeah. um, Paleozoic is the very first era ever. And then okay. Jurassic Damn. and Mesozoic is like when the dinosaurs came in. So that's obviously later because it's like meso, it's like middle, right? Yeah. So they they have mm-hmm. predated like pretty much everything. That's yeah. pretty freaking cool. And I'm assuming same with sharks. Yes, yeah. I think so. I think, I mean, it makes sense. Like yeah. fish are the oldest and ancient of them all. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. And we've always known sharks are like hella yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, if if rays and sharks are, do come from the same family of cartilaginous fishes, then they've probably evolved at the same time. So. Or in, sim- n- in proximity mm-hmm. to each other. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Sorry, I just want to fact check myself. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, that's okay. Now yeah, I'm yeah. curious. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll keep going. All right. So that's their, their history. Batoids, sorry, I keep saying batoids. I'll just say rays from now on. Rays can be found across the globe. There are freshwater rays, bracken rays, and plenty of coastal species as well. Most rays live in coastal waters, meaning they're near the shore-ish. There are very few species that actually live in deep water or the open sea. Most rays do prefer tropical and subtropical or marine environments, regardless if they are freshwater or coastal. They tend to live in more like tropical environments, though there are, of course, temperate and cold water species. And the rays that are found in the San Diego and along the Pacific coast are more the, are those temperate cold water species. Okay. There are four orders of rays. So this is breaking down that batoid umbrella. And I like to think of these four orders as like a band of superheroes. <laughs> and as I describe each ray order, you'll understand why. So the first is what's known as torpediniformes, which are electric rays. Ooh. So there are rays out there that exist that can produce an electric charge. Cool. That's their specialty. Like that's their special Love power. It. And torpediniformes, their most common known ray is a torpedo ray, mm. which is actually where the word to- torpedo, referring to the undersea weapon, gets its name that's from. so cool. So that word torpedo is named after a torpedo Love ray. It. So very, very cool. And and to go further into that explanation, the name torpedo is derived from the Latin word torpere, which means to be stiffened or paralyzed. Mm, so that makes sense. That is really cool. <laughs> so that's the first superhero, right? 
after that is the rhinopristiformis. And rhinopristiformis are rays that have very specialized snouts. Mm. So, for example, there's the shovel-nosed ray. There's the guitar fish. The guitar fish you've seen before. Um, if you want to yeah. like look these up, you totally can. And then there's also the sawfish. And mm, sawfish, mm-hmm. as you might guess, their snout looks like a saw. And sawfishes are distinct from saw sharks. They're they're different things, but they have like the same so cool. snout. So these are all stingrays? No, these are or just sorry, these are all rays. rays. <laughs> yeah, just batoids. They're all batoids. I'm curious like why they aren't called like saw rays or guitar rays. It is. I do not know why they choose the word fish. It is interesting, mm. but it is what it is. But like guitar mm. fish, you've see, I've seen those in aquariums. Yeah, and it wasn't until looking this up that I realized, oh, that's not a shark. That's always been yeah. a ray. And the cool thing about guitar fish, once you, if you guys, once you look it up, you'll probably recognize them. But they, they're like, they're almost like half ray up front, half shark exactly. in the back. <laughs> It's a cool little mix. Yeah, they're like a combo. And I love the name Rhino Pristiformis for this group because rhino means like snoot. Your little your nose oh. area is sp- special. I didn't yeah. Know. Okay, very cool. Okay, so that's the second superhero ray. <laughs> so like the first one has electric superpowers. The second one has like a crazy shaped face that's hardcore and metal looking. Third, Batoid are called Rajiformis. <laughs> and Rajiformis, I'm laughing because Rajiformis are skates. Skates to me, if using the the troop of superhero analogy, yeah. they're like the Robins and the Batmans. Okay. They are normal people <laughs> who just probably dress up and like have weapons to help them, but they are not born special. Aww. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're so I know cute. So These are like the the rays yeah. that you see like in memes where there's like smiling at you. <laughs> there's like hey, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so skates Whoa. skates as far as I know, have no like cool ability or specialty. They are just like the most common floating along, do nothing creatures. Now I have something that I will share. Mm -hmm. And now I feel, I do feel kind of bad about this, knowing the status of like Ray's population sizes now. Yeah. Anyways, (laughs) I have eaten skate oh, before. Really? I've I've eaten skate in Borneo uh-huh. um, or the Malaysian side of the Borneo mm-hmm. island. And it was so really? good. What does it taste like? <laughs> it was good. So the skin is actually like even when it's cooked, the skin is kind of like this tough, almost this tough jelly texture. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something I would be fond of chewing on. Yeah. Like I don't it's like half gelatinous but firm and it's, i don't like it it's like when it's like when skin on a chicken is yeah. too fleshy mm-hmm. like that's kind of the vibe mm-hmm. i get the meat itself tastes like eel okay it's like the texture yeah. of eel for those of you who are familiar with eating like unagi mm-hmm. but it's the way they seasoned it to be honest yeah. like i'm sure anything would have tasted good with how they seasoned <laughs> it. it was bomb but um yeah like they the way they cook it is they just catch the whole skate and like they they'll mm-hmm. skewer it and grill it on the yeah. coals so it just looks like a skate <laughs> being grilled yeah, yeah. with lemon, like simple, simple ingredients, a little brush of garlic mm-hmm. and lem- lemon or lime. And that was that. And I just remember it being so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That is God. a fun fact. That was back in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was, you know. Hey, th- 
you go to other countries and you like eat their this food. This is how and- some people live in different parts of the world. That's their food. Yeah. Yeah. So the last superhero of the bunch are Milio Batiformes, which are the stingrays. Okay. So that's that's your answer. There's electric rays, shovel nosed rays, or like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the rhino rays, skates and stingrays. Wow. And stingrays are the ones that have the the toxin in their tail, so in the cool. spine of their tail. Yeah. I'm going to now break down what type of stingrays exist in the stingray family. So now we can ignore the other superheroes. (laughs) Real quick, a quick note though, skates and stingrays are the more common batoids Mm -hmm. across the globe. Like they have the most number of species within their suborders. Torpediniformes and rhinopristiformes, I almost see them as like, because they are so unique in their abilities and their, and their look, Mm -hmm. They have the least number of species variety within their suborder. Yeah. And sadly, rhinopristiformes, the sawfish and the guitarfish mm-hmm. and all that, because th- they only have something like three to five species within their suborder, and therefore they are the most threatened, yeah. sadly. Mm-hmm. The ones that look the coolest, <laughs> of, of course. course, are the most threatened. Yeah. Are they all um, so like coastal dwellers? Because I'm just looking at some of the images and it seems like they're almost like at the bottom not the bottom of the ocean but i guess it could have been coastal yeah so so coastal means that they they can reach um depths that are hard for humans to reach Mm -hmm. but it's not like they're in the middle of the pacific yeah yeah. you know um with the exception of the manta ray and we'll get to manta rays manta rays are one of the few rays um ray species that does swim like open in open water so cool. away from the shore yeah. they they have a larger range and that's because they're also the biggest mm-hmm. of the rays mm-hmm. and they also have very few natural predators yeah. manta rays are really cool i'll talk about them briefly in a moment the stingray suborder consists of eight families there's the six gill ray the deep water stingray stingarees <laughs> round stingarees <laughs> Round rays, whiptail stingrays, there are river stingrays, butterfly rays, and eagle so rays. Cool. And I know, right? The like names. such such fun yeah. names. Yeah. The eagle rays are the manta ray, the spotted eagle ray, uh, the devil ray. Those are the big ones with like think of all rays that you see that kind Whoa. of sometimes they have like the horns at the top of their yeah. head. They're the bigger ones. So and that's what makes up all the eagle rays. So cool. Yeah. So let's talk manta rays really okay. quick. Also, the spotted eagle ray is gorgeous. gorgeous. That's the one that you see in Finding Yes, Nemo. I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the manta ray, specifically the giant manta ray, mm-hmm. have the largest brains and brain-to-body ratio of all fish. Whoa. And they're so smart that they can pass the mirror test. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So if they see themselves in the mirror, they recognize that that's them. Holy crap. Dude, I'm just looking up images. Oh my god, dude! Some of these manta rays are seriously ginormous. They're huge, huge, huge. Isn't man? Isn't manta ray is what's in SpongeBob? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's man ray That's and it. barnacle He's boy. Is that what it- man man ray? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's man barnacle ray. boy and mermaid man, mm-hmm. and then man ray is there. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Dude, humongo. Do they eat us? No. So 
Manta rays. Okay, I'm going to answer this question by quoting the information yeah. that I found. Aaron McCombs, which who is an education supervisor for California's Aquarium of the Pacific in Long Beach, says, through evolutionary history, manta rays have lost their stinger. So they are part of the stingray family, but because they've evolved to be so big and be hyper intelligent mm-hmm. for their species, there's no need for them to really have a That's stinger. Wild. They don't have very many natural predators except maybe large sharks, yeah. you know? However, they have developed several other unique adaptations, including the cephalic lobes, which are specialized flaps on the front of their face that help them to filter tiny plankton from the water. So manta rays are the only rays that have evolved to eat plankton and filter for plankton rather than scavenging on the bottom floor to eat crustaceans, small fish, all Mm -hmm. that. And if you look at the photo of a manta ray and compare it to a round ray, a round ray is what's in San Diego Bay. That's the that's the stingray I stepped on. You'll see that manta rays have their mouth that's very front facing on their face like they can smile. at you. Whereas other rays, all their mouths are on the bottom of their body because they're bottom dwellers, Mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah. So manta rays in terms of size, the largest ray um, is recorded to have a wingspan of up to 29 feet and that's freaking that's huge. terrifying in 1920 yeah wow i i'm curious if anyone listening ha- is a diver and has dived mm. and seen a manta ray i wonder i think i'd be scared shitless yeah. if i saw something that big just gliding right? towards me I'd yeah be yeah so so one thing the reason why i highlighted manta rays too is actually before ever getting stung by a stingray i never put it together that like you know how you see videos of tourists or there's there's actually a quite a famous meme photo of like a giant ray just plopped on the back of a lady and she her face clearly is uncomfortable or in disgust do you know what i'm talking about Okay, there's there's a photo that's quite popular on the internet where it's like if you type in like manta ray and tourist, it's just like a manta ray with a little <laughs> smile on its mouth, <laughs> like a little smile, and then the lady's like, Ooh, like get away from me. I have to find it. Stingray oh, yeah. tours are very popular, right? Especially in the Caribbean and mm-hmm. in, uh, in the Atlantic, South Atlantic, stingray tours are very popular, and that's where you'll see people that like get off cruise ships and go snorkeling. They'll have tour guides take them and be like, "Here, take a photo with the ray," and the ray will like be plopped out of the water, like hugging yeah. them or whatever. And I know that I've I've seen that throughout my life, and I didn't understand how you could be so close to a ray and not get stung. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, what? Like, how is this possible? But I never really questioned it so much that I looked sure. into it. And now I realize that it's very likely that the rays that they are diving with are probably part of a manta ray mm-hmm. family or subspecies. Or I did read somewhere that some di- some swim tours they do swim with stingrays like that that have the stingers but because the tour industry or like the the locals who swim with the rays feed the rays so much mm. they've created this interesting rapport with each yeah. other where the rays are not very scared yep. of them and that's definitely controversial I learned this because I will bring up the events of Steve Irwin's mm-hmm. death but 
I know that Stingray tours are controversial for that reason of like, it's exploitative to the ray, but it's also potentially dangerous. Yeah. But you will see like locals who have lived in that area for years, who like grew up there and have been swimming with the rays for years, feel like, no, like they know us, they're calm, like they won't harm us yeah. or anything. Yeah, yeah. So stingrays in the coastal waters of San Diego are typically round rays. Um, I got this from the San Diego Union Tribute. Oh, cool. Tribune? Tribute? Tribune? The UT. SDUT. They can be found all the way from Humboldt Bay in Northern California down to Panama City, Panama, mm. but are most often found in Southern California and Northern Baja California, Mexico, according to the Aquarium of the Pacific. The aquarium, which houses round stingrays at its Long Beach locations, says the animals can be as long as 22.9 inches, but most commonly are about 10 inches in diameter or less. They are a variety of brown, gray, or tan colors. So this is to give the listener an idea that round rays are tiny. Yeah, I was going to say, it's really <laughs> They tiny. are tiny little things. They're like little pancakes Aww. or technically large <laughs> pancakes, but you get like they are much, much smaller than any type of eagle yeah. ray or manta ray. Stingrays are generally non-aggressive. They do not attack and rarely actively defend themselves. Mm. So I'm going to double down on that. Stingrays are quite docile creatures across all batoids. Mm -hmm. They like to just mind their business and feed on the bottom floor and do their thing and be happy. They will only use their tail as a defense mechanism if they feel threatened, if they've been like actively stepped mm -hmm. on, or if they've been like caught in fishing webbing sort of yeah. thing. So they they're not like actively charging and like stinging totally. people. The most dangerous aspect of the stingray is the tail, which houses their spinal blade, also known as its stinger or barb. Eesh. Depending on the species, stingrays can have between one and three spinal blades. Oh. Yep. Which is kind of cool. It's like a mechanical pencil. Yes. And when I talk about my experience, that's the like that's the sensation that I would equate it okay. to. Okay. <laughs> I'll get yeah. I'll get there. The barb is covered with rows of sharp spines made of vasodentin, which is a hard cartilaginous material that can easily cut through skin. Mm. So it's just like very firm, very sharp cartilage. The stingray is unique from other venomous animals in that the venom storage is not in a gland. The venom is actually stored inside its own secretory cells, within the grooves on the underside of the spine. Freshwater stingrays have more secretory cells that cover a larger area along the blade. Because of this fact, freshwater stingrays have a venom that is more toxic than that of their saltwater mm. relatives. Now, I didn't see this in the reading that I did, but I also theorize that freshwater rays have a higher toxicity too because of the environment that they live in because they are freshwater and not in salt water uh -huh. i imagine their toxins are much more potent uh -huh. whereas in salt water there's probably the salt uh, has an impact of having less bacteria you know like i i think that being in salt versus freshwater changes that as well for stingrays oh, yeah. the venom of the stingray has been relatively unstudied but it is known to be heat labile meaning that the toxin that's in their secretory cells, once it is introduced to hot water or some form of heat, it loses its structure. Like it can, the, the heat 
deconstructs the peptides and the toxin. Denatures. The venom is also known to be cardiotoxic, which means that it can have a specific impact on mm -hmm. your heart. In the United States, there are approximately 750 to 2,000 stingray injuries reported annually. There are estimated thousands of cases per year in tropical regions with freshwater stingrays that occupy inland rivers. In one retrospective review of 119 cases seen in California Emergency Department over eight years, 80% of stingray victims were male with an average age of, <laughs> with an average age of 28 years mm -hmm. old. And that's that's a range of they had patients from nine to sixty eight years old, but the average twenty eight <laughs> years. And I'm like, that makes sense because I'm imagining it's surfers. Yeah, like I'm exactly. just like it's all surfers. <laughs> in a prospective study of freshwater stingray injuries in Brazil, eighty percent to ninety percent of the injuries were also in men. And this makes sense to me because they're probably doing fishery mm. like fishery activities in in the freshwater. Yeah, the most common site of injury is the lower extremities followed by the upper extremities. So I will speak about my experience soon, but that makes a lot of sense to me because let's say you, yeah, if you're just going into the ocean or into the river to fish, to just play around, knowing that stingrays are creatures that like to just kind of chill in the sand, that makes sense that, the, that you're most likely going to get hit in the yeah. foot if you don't do your little stingray shuffle. Or hitting the foot in the calf, depending on the size of the stingray. I feel like it's more difficult to get stung in your upper extremities. Like I'm trying to, I was just trying to figure out and picture how that would happen. Yes, and I will explain that um, using the case of Steve Irwin, but it is much more rare to be hit in the upper extremity. You have to be swimming, um, like you have to be parallel. Right horizontal to the water for that yeah. to happen so the majority of stingray injuries have low morbidity with higher rates of serious injuries and complications in freshwater stings compared to marine mm -hmm. stings in the united states and indo-pacific nations fatalities related to stingray injuries occur one to two times a year mm -hmm. compared to fatality rates up to eight per year in south american nations related to amazonian stingrays so if you're ever going <laughs> to South American countries that are border parts of the Amazon and their river system there, just remember there are freshwater stingrays and they have much higher toxicity. Yeah. All righty. I will talk about my experience Yay! getting stung. <laughs> so I went, this was in August of this year. We were hitting a pretty significant heat wave in San Diego. My sister was visiting in town and we decided to go with a former roommate of mine to go snorkel off La Jolla Cove area and then La Jolla Shores. Mm -hmm. So we started at La Jolla Cove and the water was great. We didn't see any stingrays there because that tends to be a, I mean, stingrays can live in rocky areas too, but it, where we were in the cove, it, the cove is not known, like specific to San Diego, for being totally inundated with stingrays. More, you're more likely to see them or get stung by La Jolla Shores, the actual beach area. So we did the cove. It was fantastic. And then we're like, let's go to La Jolla Shores because during this time of year, there's also leopard shark 
breeding, breaching, or the leopard sharks come to lay their babies yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. So if you go to La Jolla Shores, the La Jolla Shores side of the marine mm-hmm. park, because that whole area is called a, like it's a marine park, you have a chance of seeing the leopard mm-hmm. sharks. So that's what my sister wanted to see. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. I've never seen the leopard sharks. I've never gone out far enough into the marine park to do that. So we go to the shores and we are swimming we're swimming parallel to the shoreline. Okay. So we're in the surf, but far enough out that we can float. Yeah. Like there's probably like five, five at the deepest 10 feet below mm-hmm. us where we can swim. But the waves are pretty frequent enough that the visual, like visually, it's super murky. Like there's a lot of dust mm-hmm. being rolled around in the mm-hmm. water. It's kind of hard to see. And I, distinctly remember we were swimming 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 not really having good visual depth and i do remember seeing like a little stingray swim underneath me and um we end up popping up out of the water and we're like it's honestly the the there's too much surf to possibly see leopard sharks so let's just call Mm -hmm. it and we'll go in And we're like, okay, it sounds good. And we're walking in. And I do make this comment. I'm like, oh, there are stingrays out and about. So, you know, just beware. (laughs) I literally say, I say, hey, there are stingrays. I see them. I think I saw a couple too swimming. I was like, they're they're out and about. They're having their good time too. And I I make a point. like, make sure you guys shuffle your feet. I say that. So we get back to the beach. Mm -hmm. And my sister now says, let's check out the tide pools a little further to the left or whatever. And I'm down. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go check out the tide pools. It's low-ish tide, but like I would say the water level is at my ankles. Mm -hmm. Water level is at my ankles, but it's still kind of murky because the way the water's moving in and out of the the sand, it's dusty. And I can't, like every once in a while, there's good visibility of seeing my feet. But other than that, it's pretty murky. So as we approach these tide pools, I thought I was shuffling. I thought I'm like, shuffle, shuffle. But it just happens in an instant. Happens in an instant. I am shuffling and I step. And the first sensation I feel is a very slick back. And I know right away. I'm like, that's a stingray. Because the, the the feeling of the skin, it's mm-hmm. slick. It's very slick, almost kind of slimy and wiggly. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like right as my foot makes contact with that texture, I feel the whip of the tail. I've described this to Harini before, but I'm going to say it again. The whip of the tail, the sensation of like that, it's, it's tail coiling around my ankle, makes me think of the scene in the first alien movie where the face huggers hug the face and its tail wraps around the guy's Ooh. neck so if any of you are alien fans you know that a xenomorph's original like primary stages is as a face hugger and for the so that the face hugger can incubate the baby down the host's throat <laughs> it will wrap its tail it'll coil its tail around the the host's neck so that the host can't remove the face hugger and that's all sci-fi that's just sci-fi but literally like the whip of the stingray tail because it's cartilaginous and slimy it just i was like this is how the alien face hugger tail feels no question (laughs) this is how it feels (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly the same. And, <laughs> right. And then the third sensation I felt was the puncture. And Harini, you, you use the word like mechanical pencil. The puncture sensation is what stands out to me the most because it literally felt like like if a mechanical pencil just went into your your skin like if you could feel the depressed like how wow. how the barb depressed out of the tail and into my skin was like very very clear oh to gosh. me and now that i've researched stingrays i have learned their barb is actually integumentary which means that it's sheathed their barb is sheathed within their tail mm-hmm. and when they are threatened it will actually tear through oh their gosh. skin and puncture their predator, their their attacker, or whatever. So they're literally like wolverining it. Yeah, they're they're, <laughs> they're shooting their their claws <laughs> out of their skin. That's actually sorry. I was going to say that's that fascinating. Really fascinating to me because mm-hmm. I'm just thinking that we've been talking about evolution a lot in this episode. They had to evolve for that to be that way, and that to me makes me think very similar to bees. I think this is true mm-hmm. that right when bees sting themselves, then they die. Right. Right. That's true. Right. Okay. So. I'm thinking it's like the same thing. Like you don't want to be stinging left, right, willy nilly. Like you ha- only want to mm-hmm. use it when you absolutely, absolutely must. So that you know what I mean. You know absolutely. What I'm trying to say? Yeah, I I totally get it, and you're 100 percent correct. So here's the thing: stingrays, when once they've used their stinger, there there are times when they're defending themselves. They might be defending themselves against a very active attacker, very vicious thrashing attacker, sure. where their stinger in defense can break off that's a thing the beautiful thing is stingrays do not die <laughs> like bees do yeah. um or certain species of bees do a stingray can lose its stinger and survive they actually grow their stingers back so cool. but the thing about uh, why i think they've evolved to have an integumentary stinger as t- like to your point harini is because once their stinger breaks off that's their only defense mechanism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why they want to be smart about when they're using it because it takes time for their stinger to grow back. And this is a sad comment on the situation with stingrays across the world and overfishing. But oftentimes in countries where they might not regulate as much on catching stingrays, what will happen, stingrays will get accidentally caught in fishing nets. Mm -hmm the fishermen will cut the stingers off because they don't want to get stung while they're handling them. They'll throw them back into the water and then a predator gets them and they can't fight. Yeah. But I don't get, but why? I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, you want to ask why. And the reality is like, I'm sure there's movements, you know, there's, there's going to be conservationist movements in every country and where these things happen. But Sometimes if a country has a history where like fishing is their primary source of livelihood, it's it's a different mindset yeah. on how you treat what you catch. Yeah. So I explained the three sensations that I felt and those three sensations, though so distinct, they all happened within two seconds. You know, like it was a quick like one, two, three, like oh, I stepped on it. I could feel its tail mm-hmm. whip puncture and it swam yep. away. And. I knew immediately what had happened. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just got stung. There's no question. Mm-hmm. I pulled my foot out of the water, saw the little puncture wound. It was bleeding. There is evidence that the some part of the toxin that comes out does act as a anticoagulant. 
I was going to say, did it hurt? Like, what did you feel in that moment? The puncture hurt, but it was fine. Like, it's manageable. I'm someone who does have an incredibly high pain tolerance. Mm. I'm not trying to be braggadocious <laughs> about that, but I have learned that about myself over the years. Yeah, the puncture itself, I could, I recognize it as like, yeah, it hurt. But the venom is what hurt much mm-hmm. more. I would take five different punctures with no venom. I would take more than five punctures with no venom um, over having to deal with the yeah. venom. And I get frustrated saying that because if you're to look at the pain scale that exists, I forget what it's called, mm-hmm. but there's a scale of like the most painful things the in the world. And baker. you'll typically find like yeah, you'll, you'll typically find bullet ant is at the top, like the sting of a bullet ant bite or whatever yeah. is super painful. It feels like you're getting you got shot by a gun or something. Um, and on that and on that paint scale, there's never any reference to sting rays like they're like well, they're they are not even comparable, you know, yeah. <laughs> like they're they're like a baby venom, essentially. Like that's that's what that. I don't know, made up pain yeah, scale just, says. Made up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to me, it hurt. Like it hurts so much. I'm I'm just like thinking about it too much. I'm trying to put it into words, but Well, you get out of the water. The you get out of the water, okay. right? And then yeah. what happens? Gusto. Get out of the water. Recognize what's happening immediately. The venom starts to take effect locally immediately. Because it starts to feel it you feel the pain start to build and it's locally it's like a numb but persistent pain i don't even know how to describe the pain but it's just it's just there and it's just very very persistent mm-hmm. and so i know right away i i tell my room my roommate and manira i'm like i just got stung i need to go to the closest yeah. lifeguard so i walk to the lifeguard we were pretty far away from the closest lifeguard probably like a football field oh, away far. yeah we were pretty far it's a it's a long shore <laughs> it's a long shore line. walking through sand but that actually wasn't too bad because it was it it was just now becoming low tide so all the sand was damp okay. and padded so it wasn't like i'm trudging mm-hmm. and it's just so much work but walking started to become hard to do like it started to become very difficult a limp started developing very quickly. I had to pause several times wow. as I was approaching the lifeguard because <clears throat> it just became so hard to yeah. walk. It was unbearable. I finally get to the lifeguard. Most useless person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> <laughs> useless. <laughs> and you know what? Reading that SDUT article, there's a part in it that talks about... it. it, it they, they interview someone who does that is in charge of lifeguard manages lifeguards. I don't know what beach or whatever, but the person says something like all our lifeguards are very equipped with handling these injuries, blah, 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 blah. And in my head, I'm like, not this fool who, who didn't help me at this all. And yeah, I am, I am going to hundred percent put this person on blast. I don't know his name. So like, you know, you can't track him down or whatever, but I remember going up to him. I'm very matter of fact, I'm like, Hey, I just got stung by a stingray. I show him the puncture wound. It's bleeding and there's like a nice trickle coming out of it. 
And he just like <laughs> it, he, he does this, he doesn't respond right away. He just, he just like nods, you know, he just nods. And I'm like, oh, fuck, no. Like, like this, know. I'm really going to have to say, can you, can you get me first aid? Yeah. Like, you're, I'm going to have to actually ask that. It like so slow to action. Ugh. Our conversation goes like this I show him the wound. And then he goes, oh, how long ago was this? And I said, less than a minute ago, maybe a minute. It probably took me a minute to walk there. And he said, okay, well, um, expect the pain to start to rise in about half an hour. How's the pain right now? And I'm like, it's definitely growing, but it's bearable. And I meant that. I'm like, it's not, it's not bad, but I know, like, if this is how it feels now, then I know it's going to be worse. And then he's like, okay. And then there was like that, that, emptiness in the conversation and i go is i was like what what do you suggest do um you know do you have anything to clean my wound out and he's like yeah yeah let me let me clean that out for you um i got some some gauze and stuff and then he goes um are you guys staying close by are you at one of the hotels or something and i say no i live all the way in north park and he nods and he's it looks like he's thinking to himself and he says, well, you're, you're going to want to get that under hot water pretty soon because that's gonna, what's going to aid in the pain prevention and pain mm-hmm. relief. Uh, North Park's not too far, but yeah, if you need to get somewhere closer, like just try to get to hot water. And okay. it just felt so unhelpful. Yeah. And he ended up cleaning my wound by just like putting a little bit of alcohol on it Oof, and then wrapping it with hurt. the gauze. Yeah, after that, that's all All he could advise was like, yeah, just try to get to hot water. And then I asked him, like, do you think I need to go to the emergency yeah. room? And because this is all novel sure. to me, like, I've never really looked into what happens if I do mm-hmm. get stung. And he says, no, it's it's most stingray stings are not serious enough to go to emergency. But like, if you want to go just for pain prevention, that's definitely an option. And I was like, OK, mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. That was my interaction with him. <laughs> We start to go to the car and I tell Manera, listen, I cannot walk all the way to the car. We parked in the neighborhood way, way across the street because La Jolla Shores is packed all yeah. the fucking time. There's no parking yeah. ever. So we parked far and I said, you're going to have to go get the car and pick yeah. me up. It's like an extra football field and a half to get to even like a pickup point for me. Lisa's there with me, helping me and just keeping me calm. The pain has climaxed it is full throttle i it is so hard to walk the kicker to me is as i am walking clearly limping across the sand to the pickup spot this freaking lifeguard who was so unhelpful he gets lifted up by a lifeguard car like like picked up by a lifeguard car he's clearly like changing shifts mm-hmm. like he's done with his shift and they just drive right past me and harini when i say i'm limping it's significant yeah. I am not a dramatic person when it comes to pain because I hate burdening people with pain, (laughs) like with, with my problems. And they just like casually drove right past me. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like even the guy, like there's two people in that vehicle. I noticed that help like the lifeguard that didn't do shit for me. And then it's the driver. And I'm like, doesn't the driver have any notion of like, this person is limping. Maybe I can offer them a ride to wherever they need to be picked up. And here's the thing. If anyone's a lifeguard is who is listening to this and you're probably saying, hey, you know, we get stingray stings all the time at the end of the day because they're so common. We don't put our resources to that. I understand that. 
but I would at least like to have that been told to me mm-hmm. because then I don't make these assumptions. Yeah. Or I would have liked this lifeguard guy to be like, hey, I can get you to a, p- a source of hot water yeah. and that's as much as I can right. do for you. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing, like, it is painful. I don't care how many people get stung by it. I don't care how many mm-hmm. surfers get stung by stingrays every day and they have to deal with it. It is painful. And when you don't know what to expect, yeah. that pain's going to seem much more exactly. severe because you don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, this was peak tourist season. I got stung around 4 p.m. Everybody's uh, driving home right now. There is traffic. I waited probably a good hour and a half to finally put my foot in hot water. So I'm sitting in this pain and I thought, what if this is a tourist who's like from out of country and this is their experience and nobody's helping them? (laughs) What if it's a child, right? (laughs) I think child would probably get more preference, but it, it made me think about, I almost felt like it was a situation where because of my natural countenance Mm. of being very controlled Mm -hmm. and very calm when it comes to pain that was an indication to the lifeguard or whatever the team that oh she doesn't need that much help and i actually hate that i don't care if someone looks fine if they in my mind like if you're a lifeguard and you have the training as the sdut claims you do if you have the training on stingray stings, then regardless of how someone's acting about it, I think 100% you should give them a ride to wherever they need to go or yeah. at least get have hot water accessible at a lifeguard at the main tower. Well, first of all... Those are my thoughts. I agree with you. And first of all, like... <laughs> if It doesn't matter what your countenance is or your demeanor, X, Y, Z. If you weren't uh, concerned or needing help, then you wouldn't have asked him. You know, the fact that you're even going over there to ask means you've not experienced this before. You're new to this and you need help. Mm -hmm. Right. So help me, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I'll have to listen back to this when I edit. And again, I have to see what I say. If it, if what I say translate, if it, if saying it back now, I'm like, Oh no, maybe it doesn't make sense for the lifeguard not to help me. But all I know is that in that moment, when I was starting to reach this height of pain, I just felt like they were so, he, he was so, so unhelpful. Yeah. Like the lack of urgency mm-hmm. in his response. I was like, oh my God, you're telling me if I were in the surf drowning, this is the person I have to rely yeah. on. That's what was going yeah. through my mind. Anyways, the last thing I have to say about my experience in terms of like the pain, I think the pain was very intense because like finally getting to the car and sitting in traffic, it's a type of pain where you cannot get comfortable. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do, no matter which way you try to shift your foot, rest it, however, you, there's no chance of comfort. So I think that was very interesting to me as well. It stayed local. I think it went as far up as my knee, but it didn't go further than that. That's crazy. And yeah, so it tend, it does tend to be local. Was it your whole foot then that was in pain? It wasn't just like from that site of the puncture that up your leg. I would say my whole foot experienced pain, but it definitely was like the puncture area was the worst. And actually, it was the puncture and then the shins that felt the most uncomfortable. And I think that's I don't know why. I think it's just how maybe the toxin works, how the pain clusters might work in the foot. 
But I would say, yeah, I think I, the, the pain was mostly memorable on the puncture side and then more towards my ankles rather than the entirety of my foot. All right. The mechanism of stingray stings includes both mechanical and venomous injury. So what that means is that it's literally a stab wound plus the venom, the envenomation, mm-hmm. go, the <laughs> envenomation of the toxin going into your body. In most cases, these wounds are minor, but there are reports of arterial or spinal cord injury related to stingray wounds. The sheath of the barb can also remain in the patient's skin, which may require debridement for removal. So that is something that, um, you know, once I got stabbed and I got home, I I haven't talked about the hot water yet, so we'll get there. Once I got home, it does say, if you've been stung, check if there's any part of the barb that has broken off in the wound because there's a lot of like microbacteria yeah. that can join that that takes a ride on the barb and can st- get stuck yeah. in the wound so if you don't remove that barb it is more common to to get sick from a stingray sting because of the bacteria mm-hmm. rather than the venom itself yep. and so that's that's something that they see in emergency rooms is like people will get stung and they might not actually identify that a piece fell off and the wound will close. The wound will close. All the pain, the pain will subside. Weeks later, they suddenly have pussing and stuff from the right. wound. And it's because the barb got, is still stuck in there. Ugh. The most common venomous effect is severe pain, but the venom can also cause headaches, diaphoresis, vertigo, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, fainting, muscle cramps, muscle twitching, dyspnea, cardiac, arrhythmias, hypotension, and seizures. The onset of severe pain is usually immediate. It reaches maximum intensity within 30 to 90 minutes and can last for up to 48 hours. I think the length of how long the pain lasts also depends on, again, if you have a piece of the barb stuck in you. The site of the wound may have evidence of edema and discoloration. That is the case for me. I can send a picture to Brady. Maybe there's a way. Once we post this on our website, I'll put a photo of my foot, (laughs) what it looked like after I got stung. In delayed presentations, there may be evidence of local necrosis, which is pretty interesting. Like it does kill the skin, um, particularly in freshwater stings, freshwater stingray stings. The likelihood of necrosis is a lot higher and there's more cases of amputations Ugh. with freshwater stingray stings. Yeah. Um, if they're, you know, if they don't clean the wound well enough. Let's talk about the hot water. We talked about how stingray venom is heat labile, which means that hot water or any sort of hot liquid will deconstruct the peptides in the venom. It's a very miraculous thing. It's really fascinating to see in real time. So I was in so much discomfort and pain in the car. The moment I got to my place, I immediately filled a bucket. I actually filled a soup pot, <laughs> a, yeah. a broth, a stock yeah. pot, stock pot, because that's the only bucket, quote unquote bucket I had of hot water in the bath. Um, Because I don't have a bath stopper. Oh, okay which I really need yeah. to buy. <laughs> but I, I got a stock pot, filled it with hot, hot yeah. water, dunked my foot in, immediately huge difference. Wow. Like it was in seconds that the pain that I was so upset about, so angry from, disappeared. Amazing. And that is the most fascinating thing about the experience of getting stung by a stingray and their venom is because sitting in the pain, one of the worst experiences I've ever experienced. 
But the because it disappears so fast once you put put hot water on it, I I did the thing where I was like, why was I even mad? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, I feel so much better. Why was I causing? Why was I having a fuss? <laughs> you know. Um, and so that it's it's almost like magic. It was really really cool to see that. And I think I left my foot in hot water for about two hours. Wow. That can vary. Um, some people say you can leave it in for ninety minutes. And I've seen people on Reddit say they left it in for a whole five to six Damn. hours. So it's really up to the person, how their body reacts to the venom, maybe the depth of the cut or if the barbs left inside you. But I think I left my foot in hot water for two hours. Did you ever take your foot out just to like see like, if the pain came back? Yes. Yeah, I did. So once the pain was being managed, I took my foot out of my stock pot and I definitely... This is this is grotesque. It was honestly grotesque to me when I was doing it. But I did kind of touch the wound and I I kind of spread the skin yeah. to see if anything was stuck yeah, inside. You me. have to. And it is it was a true puncture. Yeah. Like it was just a a hole wow. straight into my foot and I just like opened the little laceration, peeked inside, rummaged around. <laughs> but we were okay. good. The bleeding stopped at some point but like i could tell you it would take a lot it would take a while for the wound to feel fully closed because it for for even though it's a small puncture um it was pretty deep yeah it was, you know it goes pretty mm-hmm. deep this experience also made me realize if you know anything about the stingray shuffle then you've probably heard rumors of oh you know if you get stung by a stingray you have to pee mm-hmm. on it and i think people also confuse that with jellyfish too like oh if you get stung by a jellyfish you gotta pee on it like you I feel like that's something that circulates for some reason. The stingray one, I could finally make sense of it. And I recognized, oh, maybe people don't actually do it that often. But it makes sense if you are stung in a beach environment where the next accessible source of hot water is miles away, I would ask someone to pee on me. I would. Yeah. (laughs) Because the water is probably hot enough. Your internal temperature is hot enough. It would be the fastest way to manage mm. the pain. No question. Now, I'm not saying anytime you're in an area where there's stingrays and you get stung, pee yeah. on it. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that that is a that's that's you being resourceful mm-hmm. if you cannot get hot to hot water fast enough. I'd pee on you, Megan. So that is me <laughs> kind of like debunking the oh pee on stingray stings yeah. myth. Yeah. If you, I'll do it for you, Megan. If you ever need to get peed on, I'm there. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's clear based on what I've read, the main thing with stingray stings is the pain management. Yeah. Be- I don't think there's actually a case of anyone dying because of the venom. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's segue into Steve. All right. <laughs> do you know any of the the details of his passing? Literally Besides that, it was a stingray. Yeah, literally, just like it stung him in directly, like in his heart. That's all I know. Okay. All right. So, for if we have any younger ish listeners, Steve Irwin did pass away in 2006. So, hypothetically, someone who's 15 or 16 year old now would not have grown up with Steve Irwin. So, if you do not, if you're not familiar with who Steve Irwin was, he was a beloved Australian zookeeper, conservationist, and TV personality. And when I say beloved, I mean beloved. Mm-hmm. People adored this man. <laughs> this is when cable TV was huge on 
things like HGTV celebrities, Animal Planet yeah. celebrities, you know, TLC <laughs> celebrities, Food Network, Food Network celebrities. But he was an Animal Planet. He was Animal Planet royalty, yeah. no question. He came to fame, world worldwide fame in the late 90s to early 2000s with his first nature documentary on animal planet the crocodile hunter he you know his most famous tagline is saying yeah. he was also beloved because he was a family man through and through he made that very clear on all the different shows that he did he would always involve his wife yeah. and his two kids who have also created like their own television shows they all own a zoo together in australia but I think that was his appeal is that he was this extremely charismatic man who loved animals and adored his family. And he was also it's it goes beyond loving animals is that he he would wrangle yeah. <laughs> wrangle with like some of the like he's called the crocodile hunter for a reason. You know, he would wrangle with predators and uh, like uh, uh, reptile, reptiles and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It wasn't until doing this research that I realized, because mind you, Harini and I grew up with Steve Irwin in the mid 2000s so we were mm -hmm. kids and i wasn't someone who had the depth to who had the depth to think like oh this is exploitative of mm -hmm. animals but doing this research now i realize that he was controversial in many ways because some people thought his shows were exploitative towards I animals and i get mm -hmm. that i get that so in september of 2006 he was filming a new documentary called Ocean's Deadliest. And during this filming, he, he was stabbed by a stingray and ended up passing away because of it. Yes, he was filming for Ocean's Deadliest, but actually the circumstances of when he was filming the stingray, he was actually taking a break from filming Ocean Deadliest. The weather was not good to film. And so he decided to do a little bit of side filming for his daughter's own show. Oh. Because Bindi, Bindi Irwin, his daughter, yeah. who is now Dancing with the Stars royalty, yeah. <laughs> she had her own show at the time, probably also on uh, Animal Planet, and he wanted to get footage for her. Mm. So he and his very good friend, best mate, also like lead cameraman someone this is a person that he has worked with for years cameraman justin lyons uh that he lyons had worked together with Irwin for 15 years and in an interview for biography.com lyons talks about the the moment of Irwin's death and what happened Irwin decided to go into some shallow water they were at an area of the Great Barrier Reef called Bat Reef. It's off of Port Douglas, which is in the northeastern part state of Queensland, Australia. And they go into a shallower part of Bat Reef. They spot a short, a large short tail stingray and decide to film it. So it's just them two. It's just Irwin and Lions. And Irwin himself has snorkel gear and a camera with him. And Lions is a couple feet away. Uh, also with a camera and he's filming kind of like the third person point of view of showing Irwin follow the stingray and Irwin himself has the first person point of view of what it looks like to swim behind the mm -hmm. stingray. And due to the nature of the depth of the water, the size of the ray and how it, it this is, this is 
theorized, but how they were also filming it where Irwin was behind the ray and mm-hmm. Lyons was in front of it. There's theory that the reason why the stingray ended up acting defensively is because it felt trapped. Uh. There is speculation that because Steve was swimming in such shallow water, it casted a shadow on the backside of the ray, mm-hmm. which made the ray think, oh, maybe there's a predator above me and I have no way to escape it because there's this other person right. standing in front of me. Does that yeah. make sense? And as Lyons describes it, suddenly the stingray actually ended up kind of propping out of the water. And how how stingrays actually sting, this is also what I learned, because obviously when I got stung, I didn't see it happen. Mm-hmm. But stingrays actually, when they whip their tail, it's usually, it's almost like a scorpion. Oh. So they whip their tail up and over their backs because typically predators come from above, mm-hmm. right? So when I stepped on the stingray, I came from above. So the, the, the stingray actually whipped its tail yeah. up and it landed, it coiled and landed into the side of my foot. So in this scenario, the stingray whipped its tail up above it and kept whipping and it ended up stabbing multiple (gasps) times. One of those punctures did end up in Irwin's thoracic cavity, just left of his sternum. From what I understand, it didn't actually stab his heart wall, but it stabbed in a way where it caused fluid to build up in the sac surrounding the actual heart mm-hmm. muscle and that caused cardiac tamponade mm-hmm. that's that's the that there's no um public autopsy report but from multiple sources it's it is said that his actual cause of death is because of cardiac tamponade which is when the fluid the the fluid that builds up in that sac around the muscle causes pressure and when there's pressure put on your cardiac muscle it makes it harder to actually open and shut so the the amount of blood flow to the heart it becomes less and less this is and that's what ended up happening according to lion's account because he was the primary witness to what happened mm-hmm. and this is what's really fascinating because even though he's a primary witness i get it like a lot's happening in one moment so even as a witness things can become skewed but there are three three different account, accounts in terms of how big the ray was. There is one account that says it had a six foot wingspan. Lyons' account says this ray had an eight wing, eight foot wingspan. So this is a big, regardless, like it's big, but there's varying reports on the, even the size of the ray. There is a rumor slash belief that Irwin, once he did get stabbed, that he actually pulled the barb from his chest lions in his interview for biography.com says that that's not true he says that that did not happen or when didn't pull the stinger from his chest what seems to stay consistent is that once he was stabbed he was brought to the boat that they used for filming but upon reaching the boat and trying to resuscitate him it was very clear that he wasn't in good condition and and he passed away on the boat Wow, wow, wow. The thing that I think the mythology that also surrounds his death is he died because of toxins. I think that was one thing like, oh, stingrays are lethal because when it uh, when Steve Irwin passed away, it was the, the toxin, the envenomation of it that caused him to pass. But at the end of the day, it was it was the barb just hitting him too closely in, in the thoracic cavity. There's also a grim detail that the barb was about eight inches long. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say, like, also, even without that, he was just essentially stabbed in or around yeah. his heart, you know? 
Yep. That's also fatal. And I think what people that hear the story, they, they associate, oh, then, you know, Sting, Steve Irwin passed away because of a stingray while filming Ocean's Deadliest. Mm -hmm. Stingrays are not anywhere close to being the Ocean's Deadliest creatures. And again, this stingray footage was not even for that documentary. It was for Bindi Irwin's documentary. So I think that's also kind of like unfair in terms of like how people see stingrays. (laughs) Yeah. Because they are not deadly, vicious creatures. No. They're just like water pancakes, like, you know, <laughs> that uh, if if they feel like they're threatened, they will do what they need to do to protect yeah. them. So, so yeah, that's the, that's how Steve Irwin passed. And I, I share it because it is the most known incidence of a stingray fatality because stingray fatalities are so yeah. rare. The most famous. Yeah, I also share it to show that like stingrays are not deserving of being treated as some sort of scary creature. Mm -hmm. I'm going to share something that's really heartbreaking. In the aftermath of his death, there were revenge killings against stingrays. And in Australia specifically, uh, authorities found like (gasps) 10 different stingrays killed or like, yeah, killed and just left on shore. And People came forward and were like, no, no, it's it was a situation where um, like fishermen caught them and didn't want to get stung. So they like de de debarbed them. But it seemed it seems very likely that like people were revenge killing rays in Australia. Really sad. I think that's that's wrapping it up. I said this earlier in terms of the toxicology there's actually not a lot of research done on stingray venom. There is one very heavy pharmacological uh, uh, study that I found online that there's language (laughs) in it that goes way over my head, but it is evidence Mm -hmm. that they, they, the the point of this paper is that they were taking stingray venom for the purpose of trying to map it Mm -hmm. and see how uh, big picture it can, you know, we can develop drugs from stingray venom because a lot of venoms are used to develop drugs, right? But this particular article was about mapping the particular toxins and what type of pain clusters Mm -hmm. they activate. Mm -hmm. But there was just... It's like it's it's when they name toxins with numbers oh that I'm like that's over yeah my you're head. like no 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 <laughs> you know what I'm, even mine. I'm like no N E alpha whatever uh, no I can't stop. read this I can't read uh, this I know that what I know is that stingray venom is it's essentially a cocktail of a bunch of different toxins mm-hmm. of peptides um, you know enzymes. Some it's just like a bunch of different stuff. Researchers in Brazil have identified the peptides porflan and orpatrin as two of the elements in freshwater stingray mm-hmm. venom that's really all i know and those are those are enzymes that break down peptides in their victims okay. yeah. <laughs> in their in the in whoever they're mm-hmm. stinging from podiatry today some extra stuff staphylococci and streptococci are the most common bacteria causing infection secondary to stingray injury there are some specific bacteria to water environments that are also part of secondary injury yeah just know that usually it's the the infection after the wound has closed that causes complications do 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 i've told you the antidote which is pretty much just pain prevention with hot water local anesthetic also theoretically counteracts stingray venom i will leave you on a very morose note 
in terms of their status as threatened species. Stingrays are often fished for their fins and meat. They also are often caught as bycatch. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that before, or unintended catch during the fishing of other animals, according to McCombs. I'm I'm reading this directly from an article, some article (laughs) I read. Due to these unsustainable fishing practices, many stingray species are considered endangered, while even more species lack the research to properly classify their status, Mm. she says. Manta rays share the same fishing concerns as other stingrays, but are also susceptible to target fishing for their gill rakers. Um, So gill rakers are what they use to filter... Plankton. Plankton, thank you. (laughs) Filter plankton. Additionally, their open ocean habitat leads them to frequently entangle in large nets, Both species are considered vulnerable by the International Union for Conservation of Nature. Several species of stingray are considered endangered, including the longhead eagle ray, the bottled eagle ray, and the long-nosed marbled whip ray. Mm. According to a 2021 study in Nature, the number of oceanic sharks and rays has declined globally by 71% over the preceding 50 years jeopardizing the health of entire ocean ecosystems as well as food security for some of the world's poorest countries. (sighs) Overfishing has increased the global extinction risk of these species to the point where three quarters are now threatened with extinction. This is notably the case in the Mediterranean Sea, most impacted by unregulated fishing, where a recent international survey concluded that only 38 species of rays and skates still subsisted. So, That's what I want to leave you on. And I do want to emphasize the Mediterranean Sea as an issue. Uh, Looking into it, that is where most of the rhino (laughs) rhino Mm -hmm. rays are being impacted. And it's just highly unregulated in the Mediterranean. And they are being overfished. So sad. In the Adriatic Sea, I think, was a a, a research area for that and a problem Mm -hmm. area. Yeah. Yeah. So much love to yeah. stingrays. Yeah. Uh, this was a really – now I'm going to go out there. Not shuffle, but I'm just going to see if I can look and see something. Yeah. I guess I will have to shuffle. They, <laughs> they just chill, you know. It, it is one of those research moments where I might have had this traumatizing <laughs> event to my foot. But it's brought me to really admire these creatures. And I – know that manta rays have always been beloved i've seen some tiktok videos on like the magnificence of manta rays but i'm like all rays (laughs) all rays are really cool just as sharks are cool i love this this has given me a newfound appreciation for all rays as you said they're beautiful bat toys the so that's it that's the ocean good job Megan. that was a long one (laughs) you did so well enjoyed that one lots of anecdotes and science which we love all right. Do risk it for that flapping underwater pancake biscuit. Yes. Love it. Oh, love it. Love me some rays. All right. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.